Welcome to the OmniTalk Spotlight Series. I'm your host, Ann Mazinga, one of the founders of OmniTalk, a content platform dedicated to researching and talking to the people, the companies, and the technologies that are shaping the future of retail. Today, I'm thrilled to have with us on the show, Indrik Ulup, co-founder and CEO of Cleveron Inc. Indrik, welcome to the show. How's it going? Hello, Ann. And uh, doing well? Good. Good. Well, we're really excited to have you today. For those of you joining us live in the LinkedIn event, uh, the team from Cleveron and Indrik and I will all be answering your questions live in the chat. So you can go ahead and put those in uh, the chat field just to the right of the screen. uh, And we'll be able to follow up with you if we don't get to those questions during the chat um, at the end uh, by somebody on the Cleveron team. Now, Indrik, take us to the beginning of this now. I mean, lockers have been around for, I think, much longer than than we in the U.S. realize. Um, I'd love to get a little bit of your background and kind of the start of Cleveron because it's such a unique story. Back in 2006, uh, and at that moment, basically, the team came together uh, under uh, e, one of the biggest e-retailers in the area, in our area here. And uh, we came together as a logistics department for that uh, e-retailer. And where and, are you based? Uh, Tell people where you're based. We are based in Estonia. Okay. And, uh, this is in Northern Europe here, next to, next to Finland, Finland, Russia, and Sweden here. This e-retailer came to you and needed help, or what? What was the story there? Like, give me, give me the background. This e-retailer, in particular, was my customer for many years. Okay. And uh, but uh, unfortunately, we were not able to provide them the service uh, model that they <laughs> were looking for in the end of the day. So, but fortunately for me, that the e-retailer liked my uh, kind of uh, input to their uh, ac- activities. And then they asked me to join their team to start establishing uh, independent delivery network for that uh, e-retailer. And, but that particular e-retailer was selling cumbersome goods or furniture or home improvement goods. And uh, okay. so that, let's say first task or let's say challenge for us was this uh, on as a logistics department uh, was uh, to put together a, uh, two men courier team uh, team network across Estonia uh, to live uh, to to deliver uh, cumbersome items to the uh, home addresses of the uh, consumers and uh, and uh, another feature was that we need required uh, that that delivery times to be agreed with a in advance with sure. the customers uh, with a precision of uh, half an hour. <laughs> wow! So at the time, back in 2006, but that that task was basically everybody told us that, that are you nuts? Basically, no? well, yeah. But, I mean, that's uh, hard to do now in 2021. <laughs> I feel like to get people that precise of a timeline, even retailers are still struggling with that. So, so how did you come up with the solution? You you obviously found one. How how did that happen? We set up a quite quite uh, kind of. Uh, wholesome uh, infra- IT infrastructure, which enabled us to communicate and the pre-agree all the t- delivery times. And uh, based on that, to, we had a routing uh, to, uh, to, took place uh, based on that pre-info, and we were able to very cost-efficiently run and manage that network. So at this point, you're still doing couriers. This is not a centralized fulfillment location. This is still, you know, you took this project on 
weeks before the holidays and you're still figuring out how to get all of these parcels to people's homes, large parcels, I might add too, home yeah. furnishing items, not, not small toys and things. Um, you're, so you're still trying to figure out how to do this and get it directly to people's homes. Is that right? Yeah, that, that actually, that operation still is, on, uh, is ongoing. But okay. That, is the, 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 that particular project was the first project, the kind of development project for the core team of uh, today's Clever. Right after we succeeded in, in that uh, initiative, then a year later, actually, we started to get inquiries also from competition, even <laughs> other re-retailers asking us that, that, that you have been, you were able to uh, put to, put in place such a high quality, let's say, service network. Can we uh, start buying that service as well? First of all, but secondly, also that at that point, year later, basically they decided to ask. That, but on top of that, also could we, could you also think about as you have a capable team together, could you start thinking about also uh, by setting up some new, more, uh, let's say, uh, innovative uh, delivery format also for small parcels. And that was the moment, like the two, uh, summer 2007, then uh, when we basically first uh, got in touch with, uh, let's say, idea of uh, potentially starting to use Locker. And uh, then uh, after the first year operations, we got to the level already when where we had uh, uh, overflow of volume uh, two times the capacity that we had in lockers. How did that locker system then and this logistics component of the business, because I think we know the audience probably knows Cleveron from the locker perspective, like your locker solutions that you've had in Albertsons, Walmart and others. But tell me a little bit how that has evolved from you know 2009 to the, the systems that we're seeing today. Uh, most of our locations in US today, they are using already robots. So there we have, uh, let's say, robot unit is a bit different by, in, in principle. So th those we call uh, parcel robots, basically, <laughs> not lockers anymore. Right, right. Yeah. Well, and so explain but, that um, evolution. I mean, clearly it sounds like you were seeing yeah. an overwhelming response to your early solutions and you needed to kind of keep evolving, um, leveraging your logistics background how did that happen? We, we looked around in our room and in our team and saw we have all the basic uh, inputs present. IT, software, uh, design, uh, logistics operations. So if nothing else, then just for fun, let's try to put together a first prototype. And uh, <laughs> we succeeded to put together a first prototype in two months, in wow. 2007 summer. Okay, kind of the starting point of uh, going into this uh, into this business where we are today. And what kind of products are we talking about here? Like, what kind of is this? Like, all kinds of product shapes and sizes. Like you mentioned, there we're still using a locker system. Like, how can you explain a little bit about what you were, what kind of retailers maybe or industries you were working with at that point? At the time, it, this, this uh, sector was dominated by these very traditional old mail order catalogs. Okay, <laughs> but yeah. products so of probably, all kinds. So yeah, not just home furnishings. At uh, that point, uh, basically dominating kind of companies were uh, from either they were from uh, Sweden, uh, Finland or uh, Germany. And uh, they were the companies who were dominating this market here. And they were the ones uh, selling basically clo from clothing to home 
home appliances to shoes, yeah, everything. Yeah. That's a lot of different product categories to store. I mean, how did you get to the point where now you're, we're talking about like kiosks and things and adding robotic, you know, sorting and, and fulfillment here. Uh, in 2008, uh, summer during the summer, uh, well, was traditional lockers, like, uh, having a, a locker a bank with uh, compartments of uh, you know uh, different sizes yeah right and uh, at the time naturally that was a kind of one one aspect or a topic uh, that we basically made uh, many trial and error attempts basically <laughs> to match the uh, size profile of different uh, customers parcel volume you know but uh, nevertheless we exceeded in it in it, it went quite well and uh, it took some juggling but nevertheless Starting from January 2009, we were uh, confident enough to start claiming we opened up uh, our uh, uh, whole country covering locker bank uh, network uh, with a public service offering uh, to the whole public. And who are the kinds of clients that you're working with now, Indrik? Like, what are what are the kinds of companies and solutions that you're putting out there? Most of the customers are retailers who are uh, naturally all, all across the world. Basically, everybody cannot ignore the need to have a, let's say, uh, uh, instead of just pure brick and mortar, everybody is in some sense involved in uh, this uh, omni-channel type of strategies. There's something really unique um, that you mentioned to me about um, how you're working with small businesses and even consumer-to-consumer transactions, passing parcels back and forth, say from like, you know, what we might equate to in the U.S. is like an eBay um, sale or a Facebook marketplace sale, you're leveraging lockers in a new way that allows uh, small businesses, especially to kind of save some money on, on logistics here. Explain how you're using the lockers in that way, both for uh, consumer to consumer transactions, and then also for small business to consumer transactions and the benefits there. Uh, service is so well accessible and so with such ease. Uh, uh, then that has created, uh, so uh, that has gave, gave boost basically to the boom of uh, uh, e- uh, small and medium-sized e-retailers. Because even for the smallest type of, you know, e-retailer, you know, mum and shop, pop shop, you know, selling knitted socks, for example, you know, right. some handy, some making them in some small handicraft uh, uh, workshop in uh, in some rural small village. Even they have a so easy access to the delivery service, no? so that, that, that even they, they are now confidently have those type of companies have had the confidence confidence to uh, open up their websites and uh, start selling them online, you know, with a with a uh, confident service promise that whatever you order today, you can receive it, uh, you know. Uh, tomorrow. It's removing oh. that huge hurdle for small businesses of shipping costs and yeah, their ability yeah. to compete, you know, in the U.S., particularly with Amazon. I mean, this is really allowing them to kind of take that line item out and reduce it significantly compared to, you know, what they'd have to do to provide that offering to their customers here. Yes. So uh, and, and, and the numbers are that, that uh, in, in Estonia also, we, uh, when we started back in 2009, we started, uh, and then three years later, once the network and delivery method has be, had become already uh, very uh, popular in the market, then during those three years, uh, the SME uh, e-retail sector uh, and the companies in that uh, active in that sector grew ten times. Basically. 
Wow. And uh, as the association in that field uh, acknowledged us that, 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 that largely thanks to uh, our initiatives at that time. But that has now, uh, that same trend has taken place in other, uh, let's say, very locker popular countries like, I don't know, Poland, Finland, Hungary, etc. So, when, when can we get this in the U.S.? I mean, can you start building this network? I, I, I mean, I you are imagine all able there's to help us in that. Yes. <laughs> we, we, have, we just pull up our sleeves and start to work. We're ready to work. <laughs> well, I sure hope so. I mean, I know that the the U.S. is a little bit more expansive. We don't have a, a you know as probably a simple a task of doing that. But I think, especially in these urban cores, I mean, I think of of the big cities that you are seeing that, you know, even the 15 minute delivery pilots right now. I mean, I think mm-hmm. in those urban cores, something like this could be so successful for, I think, retailers that have otherwise, you know, had to throw in the towel because it's just almost impossible to compete at, at that speed um, with mm-hmm. others in the marketplace. So I'm crossing my fingers, Hendrick. I want I want to have that in uh, in Minneapolis. I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> But then, uh, and the, the other this uh, that you referred to was this C two C sending, yeah. Right. So, and, and 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 if you take different types of parcel deliver uh, parcel volumes like a B two C C two B like returns uh, B two B, but then the the most uh, let's say biggest share of in different countries uh, has become uh, although the total volume has become C to C actually. And in more specifically, the, the, the ability for ordinary people from the street, basically, to start sending between the locker locker stations, and the most popular it has become in particular has become uh, for uh, auction site traders. You win a transaction, you know, right. you know yeah, then and then you usually have an ability to choose a delivery method, and then agreeing that delivery method with a sender. That uh, that person who sold that item, right. you know, who, where is the, what is the most convenient, uh, you know, service point where he needs to go? Is it I don't know FedEx or is it a local post or whatever? You know, if you have a locker bank network uh, alongside with your auction site operations, then the both uh, uh, people from from uh, sender and receiver both need to make an equal effort. Right. Because they need to just both go to the locker station. One needs to use the pin code to send. The other one needs to use the pin code to receive item. That's all. And the only thing that they have to remember uh, to, t- to tell each other is that, that, that what is the closest grocery shop uh, where they go f- fetch the beer, you know. Right. That And I think that just paints such a, an interesting picture of where we're headed especially, you know, from consumer to consumer transactions and even small business to consumer transactions and how the, how those are all going to take place, how the delivery and fulfillment methods will continue to be disrupted. If you look back and you're thinking about all that you've learned, I mean, what, what are you telling the retailers that you're working with now? The need for, from, for consumers to kind of, uh, how, how much they appreciate actually their time. Right. That, uh, they are uh, very often in very, very old traditional markets. People are used to it. Yeah, yeah, I've been ordering home delivery my whole life. Well, that's the most convenient because it, it comes to the closest to my, to me, you know, in a way. Right. That's the perception. But then once you start to argue with them and, and, and bring forth the arguments that, that, but 
all in all, how much you are really actually spending on that delivery method. Right. How much uh, your own time you are actually planning and sitting idly at home waiting for a courier. And how much actually uh, other hassle that it uh, takes to kind of uh, uh, wait for a courier or agree as meeting time in some countries even. So lockers where which are usually uh, installed at uh, retail spots and what is the most frequent and uh, regular uh, activity that uh, people are uh, doing their own personal time they do their uh, everyday groceries you know right. so and uh, well, if you have a chance to pick up uh, your uh, let's say online order also in seconds uh, uh, let's say on the go uh, while you're doing your everyday picking up your everyday milk and bread or beer you know then then they start realizing hey for home deliveries actually they are spending hours for manual, uh, let's say, post office pickup, they spend uh, 15 minutes on average. But then once the lockers have been introduced, introduced, then they realize parcel can be picked up in 10 seconds. I love what you said there, because I think that it, it, it draws this very clear delineation as we get into this omni-channel um, you know, fulfillment discussion of it's not, you know, getting something delivered to my house is not the only option that is not by any means, in some cases, the most convenient option, like you said, because of the time that you're waiting. And especially when we start talking about perishables and things like groceries. And I'd love to dig into um, the the pilot that you did with um, Albertson's own Jewel Osco and the Cleveron 501 robotic solution. I interviewed uh, Chris Rupp, the chief digital officer of Albertsons a few months ago. And what really struck me about my conversation with her and this initiative was that they were doing exactly what you just said. They wanted to make sure that families had the opportunity to get things on the schedule that would be the most convenient for them, that they were going to be trying multiple platforms for getting products to customers so that the customers have that option. And I think um, if you could explain kind of this pilot with uh, with the Jewel Osco location and how that's going, what the responses have been like from customers that, uh, that have been using that so far. All the customers who have taken the, let's say, the, uh, have used that machine and our, our, our machine at that particular location, they have really come to realization that, that, that really it can this transaction which used to take time and uh, quite many quite many minutes at least in minimum but really can happen in 20 seconds take our listeners through that interaction like how does it work what's what you know it's not the curbside pickup that we know through the pandemic this is much fast much or much faster much more efficient tell us how it works it sits uh, next to the store so that people who are uh, let's say uh, Due to their lifestyle, basically, are in a rush back uh, after the work. We are, are hurrying back to the either to home or kindergarten, uh, for example. They are able to choose a delivery method after ordering online. They're able to choose uh, the pickup station or kiosk, as uh, as uh, Robertson's is uh, or Jewel Osco is calling it uh, in, the, in their shopping cart. And uh, there uh, they they receive a pickup code. They go to the and there we have a unit which has uh, let's say has a two temperature zones. One is chilled zone and the other one is frozen zone. So in case you order different types of goods, those uh, different goods are placed in different totes. 
the different loads are put in particular zones within the, inside the machine. And once the person comes to and inserts the pickup code, then the, at the machine, he, uh, she or he will be receiving that the toads are being will be brought to the front of the machine and they are being, uh, and the person is able to one by one take out the, to uh, the goods from the totes one by one and place them directly to the car. And that happens in a matter of seconds, right? I mean, we're not talking, yes. I'm, I pull into the parking lot, I'm waiting for, you know, 15 minutes until I'm next in the queue. Then I get my groceries. This is like, I put my card in and, or my code up and we're talking a minute, maybe max. Yeah, right? per, per it uh, takes uh, some uh, 30, 13 seconds, so to speak. So uh, in case you are, have a cumbersome uh, goods, which uh, no, in some cases uh, uh, in US, the order is, uh, the average is like a five to six totes even, then it, it really takes uh, like a, maybe a minute for you. Unreal. I am so excited to try that. And we, you know, we're gearing up for grocery shop next week. Um, we're getting all of the, all of you in the audience today who are listening live. Um, we get a pre grocery shop exclusive here because Indrik, um, I hear you're going to be launching a new grocery locker in early 2022. Can you tell us a little bit about this new product that's coming out? Customers all over the world, they have access to have a bit lower capacity, uh, let's say, product also from us, uh, which would be more cost efficient as well to start. So that, that, that uh, and or in some cases, they some cases customers, they want to reach uh, high capillarity of locations very fast to ensure, uh, to, let's say, to enhance the, let's say, introduction of their omnichannel strategies. So in that particular case, uh, for that, uh, to answer that demand that, that we are coming forth with this, uh, uh, grocery locker, which will be also having uh, different uh, temperature controlled uh, uh, compa locker compartments. And how big will these be in comparison to uh, the 501 robotics solution that we talked about at, at Jewel Osco? These can be starting from, uh, uh, starting from, I don't know, six compartments up to, uh, up, up to hundreds because uh, locker banks usually are built up in a way that, that they are modular. So you can add up uh, the low, uh, locker columns, but the fact is that that, that uh, particular, let's say, those unit, uh, units that are meant designed for groceries and having inside this, they are mixed with refrigeration technology. Then there's a certain point uh, from where on, you know, it's it's becomes a question whether you should keep adding additional locker columns to your Got locker it. bank uh, system, or or you should start already considering. Uh, either to switch over to robotics. So this new grocery locker that will be coming out, temperature controlled, not leveraging the robotics that the 501 solution is, is using, um, but then this it allows for more flexibility, we'll say. So retailers have the ability to build up or build down depending on what their, their footprint is and what their demand is at the time. It's more affordable and makes the starting off the uh, your omnichannel grocery delivery operations, uh, let's say, in a more uh, from the more, more affordable level and uh, more easier. Yeah. Indrik, it's clear from this conversation that Cleveron has been able to adapt to just about any needs 
very large, uh, unbelievable feats at times from the early starting days in the, in 2006, all the way through to this example right now of, you know, providing locker solutions, um, for some, some smaller and independent retailers who maybe just want to get to try this out. Companies start, start to realize during the pandemic now, that actually in today's world, there are technologies available by using which they can uh, very often start uh, servicing their loyal or regular customers who have a, let's say, who don't have a need to, to kind of uh, personal, let's say, approach. But, but right. uh, for example, I don't know, builders or uh, let's say repair people, you know, right. they go to the particular, let's say, uh, service or uh, let's say vendor who provides them regularly, let's say, nuts and bolts, for example, or uh, professional tools. And they have, a, let's say, very regular partners for that, who, where they go. And those people who are now, uh, let's say, regular users, they are not companies real. They don't need to start uh, forcing those people to come inside, actually. Right. They need to establish new kind of operational, uh, let's say, rules and methods whereby which they know that, that that particular person is now working on that building which is you know requires that type of material then they can be left that material can be or these uh, or tools can be left outside the service uh, let's say company's uh, door in the in the front of the building and then more time is left inside uh, the let's say this company to service people who are actually let's say new who require more guidance, more instructions, and more, let's say, sales talk, so to speak. Yeah. Right. Right. And more attention. So, uh, and that was the, another kind of angle that, that the company started to kind of push and work on and enhance. And in the outcome, I believe, even if the pandemic passes, now servicing, uh, let's say, uh, becomes more uh, fluent and more smoother. Well, it's a behavior that we've all. Yeah, it's a behavior that the customers have all gotten used to over the pandemic, too. I mean, the flexibility of being able to, yeah, I know what I need. You know, I'm, I'm going to order this ahead of time. I don't need to have an interaction with somebody. I want to be able to go and maybe that's, you know, maybe my hours are different because I'm working from home or, you know, because of the pandemic. And I can pick that up 24 hours a day if I need to. Um, I'm not limited to just the hours that the store is open. If I, I, I'm, leave, I'm going to leave my shoes in a repair shop, you know, right. no? to go a day later to, uh, to pick them up, why would I need to go inside that store? And you why don't. would I need to hassle and stand in line while their shoe repairman actually is now consulting and talking with another customer, you know? Right. So even though it's uh, seconds, but that, uh, you know, it's, a, it's always this time of the, 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 about the time that, that if you don't know how much time you are going to now stand there, even if it's in the end of the day will be seconds only, or let's say one minute, still, while you don't know how long much you're going to, that's the, that's the angle where you're going to be most frustrated. Right. So, there's, to, there's a value to customers' time and, and yeah. that value determines where the customers are going to go and continue to shop time and time yeah. again. Well, Indrik, it's clear from this conversation that automated fulfillment, uh, pickup lockers, grocery lockers, as we specifically are heading into grocery shop, um, pretty much everything that Cleveron is involved in doing right now is here to stay. What's what's next for the company? Can, what are you guys looking at? Uh, what's on your radar for the next couple of years? This sector is still in the early early stages, and and there's a long way to go. But uh, looking more in a different vertical than I would say that that, that uh, 
this uh, if we now have been ourselves been dealing only with a, let's say stationary uh, let's say uh, the solutions or products then definitely we see great potential and, and already increasing demand to start connecting these stationary dots with uh, self-driving te technology and that's the that's the, the new area where we have uh, actually already been investing time and uh, and, and focus uh, for last five years and then we see that that, that, uh, that that that's where we are kind of going to be present quite heavily as well and uh, and in the, and in the even more more longer let's say scale uh, these two types of technologies will start to interact with each other Indrik, this was such a great conversation. Thank you for sharing your story throughout the last four years, creating Cleveron and all that you're up to right now. If people want to get in touch with you to learn more, um, and I'd encourage, you know, as Indrik mentioned, it's not just the large retailers out there. It's also some of these regional players, the, the grocers especially, who are looking to just test this out. This is a, a very flexible model that can be done on a smaller scale and building up into a, a bigger, you know, 501 Jewel Osco kiosk with robotics. So, um, Indrik, where should they go to, to reach out to you and get some of those questions answered? our website or our LinkedIn, LinkedIn account and page. And that's cleveron.com. Exactly. Yeah. Cleveron.com or find you on LinkedIn. Yes. Um, that was wonderful. I'd also just send a reminder to those of you listening. Uh, Cleveron is going to be one of the sponsors of all of the content that we have coming up for Grocery Shop next week. There is a ton that we have coming up. You won't want to miss it. Um, so if you're not already, make sure that you subscribe to our newsletter and content at omnitalk.blog uh, slash subscribe and look for all of the work that we have coming out next week. Uh, this was a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, Indrik Ulup, co-founder and CEO of Cleveron.inc. Uh, and please, everyone, be careful out there. <laughs>